The Tom Sumner Program. Old fashioned radio for a new generation. Oh, it's always a pleasure to be with you, Tom. You know that. Yay, Tom! <laughs> I love it in Flint! You're very astute, Tom. Tom, easy question. I'll debate Andy Dillon on your show. Well, oh, that's a very good question. Uh, hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, with Tom Sumner. I'm alright, Tom. How are you? Lucky day, Mr. Sumner. Ciao, Tom. How are you today? That's a good question. <laughs> Hi, this is actor comedian Jonah Pody, and you're listening to the Tom Snyder, uh, Tom Smothers. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry. What's his name? Oh, Sumner. The Tom Sumner Program. Good morning, Tom. How are you doing? Hey, at least I got the Tom part right. The Tom Sumner Program, old-fashioned radio for a new generation. Our fellow Americans. Right now, the COVID-19 vaccines are available to millions of Americans. And soon, they will be available to everyone. The science is clear. These vaccines will protect you and those you love from this dangerous and deadly disease. They could save your life. So we urge you to get vaccinated when it's available to you. That's the first step to ending the pandemic and moving our country forward. It's up to you. The Tom Sumner Program is made possible with support from Seth David Radwell, a recent guest on the program and author of American Schism, How the Two Enlightenments Hold a Secret to Healing Our Nation, released in July 2021. As Publishers Weekly writes in its recent glowing review of American Schism, business executive Radwell's epic debut examines the historical influences that have led to what he sees as the collapse of politics in the United States. Seth Radwell makes the case that the current chasm between the American right and left can be traced back to the 18th century's Age of Enlightenment and the basic tenets of liberty, equality, and reason. American Schism provides a historical perspective that can help bridge current day divides. American Schism by Seth David Radwell is available at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and wherever books are sold. For more information, go to americanschismbook.com. Hi, this is Gretchen Whitmer, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Hey, welcome back, everybody, as we're rolling into hour two of our three-hour tour known as the Tom Sumner Program. And uh, part three today of our uh, series on uh, one-on-one conversations with candidates for Flint City Council this hour, we focus on Ward 8. And joining me by phone is the incumbent running for re-election who currently serves as uh, the uh, city council person for the 8th Ward, Alan Griggs. Alan, welcome to the show. Thank you, Tom. I appreciate it. Good to have you back. Um, Good to have you. Alan, I've I've talked to a number of uh, the different candidates, and one of the things that I'm noticing, this is an unusual election cycle for the Flint City Council. One is the correction being made to when the elections are held by by having a five-year term as outlined uh, for the transition in the um, the new city charter, so the the terms are five year rather than four year in this particular election. So it's it's a special election, and the other thing that's noticeable about it is there are three open seats. Two candidates decided not to run for re-election. One didn't make it through the primary cycle, and over the nine wards, there's uh, I think five 
write-in candidates. It's unusual to see one. Why, why do you think this is, is such an unusual um, election? Uh, we've had a, it's been unusual the whole four years I've been a councilman at our council meetings. Now, <laughs> is well, I was going to get you to know, that. I, I can see why it would be unusual. Uh, I don't agree that, you know, five-year terms. I really wish we were staggered, but uh, I guess that's something a city charter maybe needs to be revised somewhat. But uh, I'd rather see us, uh, council people's uh, terms be staggered. So, you know, all of a sudden don't just end up with five brand new ones out of nine well and you're for sure going to end up with at least three new members yes yes that's correct so three's not bad now when i was elected there was five of us i believe that no there was uh, one two three four i believe four of us that were brand new no five actually five yeah uh, if not six come to think of it there was davis carter uh, Gara, me, and Worthing. Worthing. Yeah, yeah. It was that's five. So it, anyhow, that that was odd right there. But uh, I I just wish they were staggered though. I really do because yeah, uh, it would make for you know a little more uniform. I believe. Another question I've been posing yeah. to a lot of candidates. Um, both incumbents and newcomers is with all the negativity that surrounds the the Flint City Council um, from from outside looking in the the marathon late night sessions the uh, divisiveness um, you know the the different factions that, that seem to evolve from time to time and and the seeming inability to get through the planned agenda, it, it, it begs the question, why would you want to be part of that? And, and for you, why would you want to return to that after having been there these last four years? Well, <laughs> I've questioned myself about that a number of times. I mean, do your friends and family think you're a little crazy, Alan? <laughs> I think so, to include my, to include my wife. Uh, actually, my wife is the only one that sees it firsthand. Uh, fortunately, my other family members, they you know, they live in other states, uh, are not, uh, don't have to, are, are not watching our meetings or listening to our meetings. I, I wouldn't want them to. Uh, but it's, I have a lot of hopes for our, our town, my city. And, you know, I came here about 20 years ago, and, you know, I was the one that picked this place to retire to. My wife and I, we could have retired to a place that I had in Oklahoma or here in Flint, and I'm the one that kind of pushed. I wanted to retire right here in Flint. Uh, there's just a lot of good things, beautiful things about this town that I that I really enjoy. Uh the people and the weather, or you know, especially the summer weather. So, do you think uh, that? Do you think that the the city of Flint has the resources it needs to meet constituent needs and and put the city on a path toward maximizing those those good things that 
that you saw that drew you to retire here, Alan? Yeah, I, we've got great resources. I mean, it was a, a city made for what three hundred two to three hundred thousand people, and now we've only got maybe eighty thousand. But now we're sitting here with all these amenities, and I mean, you know, three big major hospitals, uh, four or five colleges. So uh, it's got great resources. Uh, I just wish we could kind of uh, worry more about economic development, but. Um, well, I was talking to yeah, but ahead. that's a that's a chicken in the egg thing a little bit though, Alan. With problems yeah. that people talk about with uh, blight and and the reputation Flint has as being uh, violent, and and when you look at Lansing, they have a similar population to Flint and twice as many police officers. Um, oh yeah. You know how can how can you attract businesses and job creators into an environment like that, and especially with some of the problems that the Flint school system is having? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. You're exactly right, Tom. Uh, I wholeheartedly agree with you on that. Uh, I was talking to the <clears throat> chairman of the board uh, at Bishop Airport, and I, you know, just a, a chance to chat with him some, and he said used to be when new companies would come in to the airport, they would always bring them to the city council meetings. They said they don't dare do that anymore. So I'm afraid that a lot of our problems, I think, really are with city council. Uh, we don't agree on a lot of things that we should be agreeing on. We don't work together well. Uh, we definitely need more police, yes, uh, you know, other cities about our size, like you say, have, you know, twice the number of police that we do. It's, I don't know. I've, I've really had high hopes with our new mayor, and it seems to be clicking along okay. But Well, what would it take to get the, the, uh, the city council to work cooperatively and more professionally? You probably have to remove a couple of them. <laughs> you know, that's that's just that's it. The problems are only with two or three council people, and it just that's the elephant in the room. That's why we have these late meetings and don't and things keep getting put off. We can't even make it to an agenda. Uh, sometimes uh, after roll call, we're two hours before we even get to. Uh, the first part of an agenda, you know, with all the arguing and back and forth bickering, it's just, it's pathetic and it's very sad. Alan, would it be smarter to um, spread the committee meetings out so that there isn't so much committee work being done the same day as a council meeting? Because I think it, it, it seems looking in from outside, like the work isn't getting done at the committee level and then just presented to council it 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 just sort of spills over into the council meeting and the debates just continue. Well, uh, maybe those committee meetings should be on different days. Well, the committee meetings are, are they're two different Wednesdays every month, like the council meetings are two different Mondays. But we've already proven that having more median meetings is not the answer. It just delays the agony. 
is all it does. It, it, you know, we, we're down right now to having three meetings in a week, and it's it's uh, just wasted of city time and money. I mean, just the you know, putting it cost us money to have it on YouTube or, or televised, and we may have lawyers sitting there that are waiting to talk, but they may be there until midnight before it even comes around to them. It's I, I don't know. I, I I wish I knew the answer, but more meetings, I believe, is is not the way to go. And matter of fact, you know, people are saying, oh, we need to have in-person meetings. Well, that'll make our meetings longer because we've got a couple of council people that love to perform in front of the television. And that'll just mean, you know, they, they wave their papers and they wave their hands and things like that, and they're putting on a show. And when we're on TV, it's going to be longer meetings. Some people say, oh, no, they'll be short. No, they won't. You know, one time I didn't even get home till four in the morning, and uh, you know, being in the meetings until two in the morning is nothing new. It's almost every month. You know, I mean, if we get out of there by midnight, that good gosh, I don't know what to do with myself. So. Can you explain how we ended up there? Were people who were adamantly opposed to Flint? becoming part of the Carignandi Water Authority, and now it seems like 25% of our water is coming from the Carignandi Water Authority. Can can you sort that out? Because it's sort of confusing to me. Well, <clears throat> people, call, people call the KWA a backup, and it's not a backup system. It's a redundant. It's just a secondary uh, by state and federal laws, all municipalities must have a backup water supply and that and that backup supply must come from a different source, be it surface or groundwater. Well, we're both of our sources, Gliwa and KWA, are both coming out of Lake Huron, which is not which is not good and it's federally uh, it's not legal. There's, you know, that's what we have, and we need another source. But uh, people shudder if you happen to mention the Flint River. Well, you know, you can make drinking water out of anything pretty much that's wet. Uh, I've, I've kind of talked about this before. Astronauts don't carry bottled water. Sailors don't, you know, the Navy doesn't carry bottled water. They, they make the water. And uh, hey, Alan, I'm gonna yeah. have to I'm gonna have to interrupt you there and and put a comma because I have to take a short break here. Can you stick around for a few minutes so we can talk sure, a little yeah. more? Sure. sure okay, sure. my uh, my guest is uh, Eighth Ward Council Person Alan Griggs, who's running for re-election. We're going to continue my one-on-one conversations with all of the candidates for the Flint City Council. But first, we're going to let our broadcast partners at 92.1 FM in Flint squeeze a few words in or do whatever they do when we go to break. If you're streaming us at TomSumnerProgram.com, we have some messages as well. So don't touch that dial. Don't click that mouse. More one-on-one with city council candidates straight ahead. Everybody's doing a brand new dance now. Hi, this is Mark Farner, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. 
I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. While we've been staying safe at home, scientists have been on a journey. The destination, a COVID-19 vaccine. This journey began decades ago with research into other coronaviruses. Scientists built from there with months of research and development, cooperation with other experts worldwide, and clinical trials on tens of thousands of volunteers of diverse race, age, and health status. They arrived at a safe, effective vaccine, and hundreds of thousands in Michigan have already been vaccinated. But the next step is ours. We need to get the vaccine when we can. Keep wearing masks correctly and taking precautions until we reach our destination, freedom from COVID-19 and getting back to the lives we love. Discover the facts for yourself at michigan.gov slash COVID vaccine. A message from the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services. The Tom Sumner Program plays host to the best political roundtable on radio every Wednesday from 10 a.m. to noon. Armchair Politics features great commentary and analysis about the headlines from local, state, and national politics with an alumni of world-class pundits, plus quotes, tweets, and those weird and wacky stories we call The X-Files. If it's Wednesday, catch Armchair Politics on the Tom Sumner Program. East Village Magazine is the monthly neighborhood magazine read all over Flint. With support from grants, donations, and advertisers, East Village Magazine's talented local writers give you an in-depth look at local news, issues, and people that make Flint, Flint. Copies of East Village Magazine are available at many of your favorite shops and restaurants around Flint or online at eastvillagemagazine.org. East Village Magazine, community-focused and community-supported. Discoveries. They happen when we least expect them in places we thought we knew. And discoveries have a way of teaching us a little more about ourselves along the way. Welcome to Flint and Genesee County, where up north meets down south. Home to Michigan's largest county park system and a vibrant culture. A place filled with discoveries we've yet to make. Throughout acres of beautiful lakes, wetlands, and woods, and in the diverse city beyond where the uplifting melodies of gospel choirs fill the air, where the work of renowned artists color the galleries and museums, where the fresh fruits and vegetables at the downtown farmer's market awaken our senses, and where the cultural center and planetarium broaden our view of the world. Let's spend a few days enjoying the wonders of Flint and Genesee County, where the joy of discovery is pure Michigan. Your trip begins at michigan.org. Technical assistance for the Tom Sumner Program is provided by Swiftlet Technology, engineering and IT services at swiftlet.technology. I know of a place where you never get harmed, a magical place with magical charms, indoors, indoors, indoors. 
Hi, this is Deb Cherry, Genesee County Treasurer, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Radio Show. And welcome back, everybody. We continue my one-on-one conversations with the candidates for city council in the uh, election this year coming up just just a month away now. And uh, I have (coughs) currently joining me by phone the uh, incumbent from the 8th Ward who's running for re-election, Alan Griggs. Alan, welcome back. Thanks for sticking around. Sorry to make you sit through all that. Oh, no. My pleasure, Tom. No problem. Alan, the uh, city of Flint has received uh, at least $47 million, may see another similar amount uh, as a result of, of some of the uh, federal <clears throat> actions of uh, President Biden and others with the uh, uh, CARES Act and the Recovery Act and so on. But that's a one-time shot in the arm for the city of Flint. How should that money be invested in a way that will flint on a path toward um sustainably reaching its full potential well that recovery act money we've got to be very careful with because if we don't spend it correctly we end up having to pay it back and i'm sure somebody will charge us interest uh right now in our legal department there's supposed to be i don't know i'm not sure how what how how that's going along we're supposed to be getting a representative in that will guide us through using this uh, uh, $97 million appropriately. Uh, it's got to be COVID-related. Some people think, well, we can just do this or do that, but it's got to be COVID-related, and uh, it even includes some infrastructure and even broadband Internet. So... Uh, Anyhow, that $97 million has got to be carefully earmarked, what we're going to do with it. And we don't have that uh, strict guidance yet. So I think it's a great thing. I'm looking forward to figuring out where the money is going to be placed. And uh, But I, I put it out on my Councilman Facebook page of the restraints that there are with this money. And... A lot of my constituents are understanding that, but I don't know how the rest of the city is. Alan, with those with those restraints on on that money, yeah. um, does it end up being the kind of money that cities like Flint need? Well, what I wish could happen to that money. Or are we going to spend close to a hundred million dollars on things that would be nice and not solve? light or put more police on the ground that that's the two big things right there blight and police but uh you know i don't know how how that's going to get earmarked to even go that direction uh i you know i think we're going to have to wait until we get this uh, uh coordinator in he's supposed to be under the legal department and it's supposed to be like a watchdog on what happens with this $97 million. So there is someone who can guide the council and sign off on ideas that are presented for things that might do good that may not be considered necessarily in uh, the stated requirements. Yes. Yeah, this is, this is uh, federal money, and we've got to do what the federal government says. 
I wish we could take it and say, all right, we're just going to get rid of all the blight and we're going to hire in another hundred cops and and we're all right. Uh, but it's not going to be that simple. But we but we find ourselves in a chicken and the egg situation, um, Alan, because there are a lot of good things about the city of Flint, about its location, about transportation, about uh, uh, potentially infrastructure if it's being properly maintained. Um, but yet there's you know there's there's blight, there's problems with the schools, there's clearly not enough. Uh, police presence and and there are other things too we're squabbling over who's going to pick up the trash and a lot of people don't believe that the uh the, that the um, water crisis has been completely resolved and and so how do you get businesses and job creators attracted into a city without addressing those issues and how do you address those issues without businesses and job creators in the city and it's going to be very difficult to get new businesses in hey i spent i was in the hospital uh here in flint a couple of times this year and one time i was in for oh, i don't know five or six days and, and another time about 12 days or something like that or, you know back in march and then and then in july and Everybody that would come into my room, I mean, from the cleaning staff to the nurses' aides to the nurses to the doctors to all the other stuff, and even administration, I'd say, where do you live? Well, out of those two times I've been in, at McLaren this year, only one person lived in Flint. And, you know, I didn't ask him. You know, I just wanted to know what that's that's our problem right now i said my gosh we must have a terrible reputation we can't even get all these employees to live here and i don't know how it was you know i've only been here about 20 years but uh i don't know how it was before then if we had it was it was different alan i can tell you that because i was here Alan, yeah. let's let, let's do this. We just have uh, a couple of minutes left, and and I want to ask a couple things. First, I want to okay. give you a chance to talk about what you think the council should be doing and working on, what some of the priorities are going forward. And I also want to make sure and give you an opportunity to let listeners know where they can find out more about you and your campaign for re-election. Okay. Uh, well, just trying to get along better with each other is the problem. You know, I can't stand our council meetings, uh, but I love my job as far as, you know, taking care of my constituents. Um, you know, my 25 plus years in the industry, that's, that was the part I really enjoyed about my job was, you know, I'd be working on something and then boom, I had to go put out a little fire and then come back and pick up where I left off. Well, that's the part I really enjoy about being a councilman, but it, we're going to have to get along better together i know when i first was on i asked everybody all mine of them i said i'll buy you hamburgers you know at a certain place well two people showed up and that was it and i've tried it twice and it just doesn't work we, we don't have that uh we don't have good communication skills i guess one might say 
that's the biggest improvement for city council right there. And and uh, where can people find out more about you and your campaign for re-election, Alan? Oh, well, I've got my councilman Facebook page. Uh, that's Griggs, comma, Flint City Council, comma, Ward 8. And I post things like even the jobs uh, that I see. I post uh, new jobs. That's probably one of the most important things about my page is posting jobs or, uh, you know, for some of my constituents to have a look at. Uh, I go to uh, about six neighborhood meetings uh, every month, and I was just at one last night. So it would be great if the people want to know more about me if they'll just attend some of these neighborhood meetings uh, in more days. And they're all monthly meetings. As a matter of fact, next Thursday, I'm starting a brand new one down at, uh, uh, from between Atherton and Hemphill. So, uh, well, Alan, and, I, uh, yeah. we, we've got to wrap it up, but I, I want to thank you for spending this time with me this morning. It's always good to well, talk welcome. with you. And if you ever invited me for a hamburger, I'd show up. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Tom, I'll keep that in mind. Alan, uh, Best of luck to you, and keep up the good work. Thank you so much, Tom, and you have a good day. All right, take care. That was uh, Alan Griggs. He is the incumbent from the uh, 8th Ward running for re-election. We're going to talk with uh, his challenger coming up in, uh, well, just about straight ahead. Armchair Politics is going to hell. Hell, Michigan, that is, and you're invited. On October 27th, Wednesday before Halloween, Armchair Politics will be broadcasting live from 9 a.m. to noon from the Hell Saloon in Hell, Michigan, near Pinckney. This will be our first in-person meeting of the Tom Sumner Program's weekly roundtable armchair politics since the beginning of the pandemic. Join me and roundtable regulars Flint's premier political pundit Paul Rosicki on the left and longtime Genesee County Republican Henry Hatter on the right, plus more on Wednesday, October 27, 2021, starting at 9 a.m. at the Hell Saloon. Armchair politics is going to hell, and you can too.
Hey, welcome back, everybody. We continue my one-on-one uh, -on -one conversations with candidates for the Flint City Council, the election coming up uh, just a month away. And uh, this hour, we're talking to the candidates from the 8th Ward, joining me now by phone, a uh, challenger for a seat uh, in from the 8th Ward on the Flint City Council is Dennis Pfeiffer. Dennis, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me again. It's, uh, it's always great to talk to you, Tom. Um, Dennis, I'm gonna. I know I asked you this before when we talked during the primary, and I ask this of incumbents and newcomers alike. With all of the negativity that surrounds the Flint City Council about its uh, dysfunction and um, the time commitment and all of that, why why would you want to subject yourself to that? Because Flint needs to change. Um, we need to we need to fix our problems, and just washing our hands of it and saying you know city council's dysfunctional and it's always going to be that way, isn't the mindset that uh, most of the folks in in the city have, and they they want to see change and they want to see improvement. Um, looks like there's quite a few people that are you know going to step up and try to fix the council in the eyes of the residents and make those changes that are needed. Well, this is an, an interesting uh, campaign cycle with three open seats and the number of writing candidates uh, across the nine wards is like five. It's unusual to see one. So there certainly has been a lot of uh, interest circulated. But um, do you think Flint has the resources to get on a path toward a, a sustainable comeback? Well, as, when you say resources, there's, you know, quite a different aspects of resources. Do we have um, leadership within the community to, you know, to provide a guiding light? Yes, absolutely. Do we have the resources in the police force or, you know, our utilities and services? No, we don't have those resources. Um, we need to. We need to get outside help. We need to. Um, boost those up so that we can provide a better, um, <laughs> well, a better De Dennis, yeah, in the context of government and politics, resources usually means money. Right. Well, and, and that's yeah. the question. Do you know, do we have, um, do we have the money if, if we had better leadership, if, if, um, you know, if we were able to prioritize a little better can we make this work, or are we rearranging deck chairs on the Titanic? Well, we're going to have to make it work, Tom. Um, you know, I think there's enough money with the CARES Act. There's enough money and potential grants out there to get us on the right track, you know, to get this, tr this train flipped around and going in the right direction. Um, we just have to better utilize those funds. Um, with the CARES Act, I think it's it's a... It's a welcome boost, and I think that we have to utilize those funds to, in the in the best way possible, to get the city on the in the right track. And you know, other cities are currently using those funds. Um, they're not waiting for, you know, final rules to come out from the treasury department. They're not, uh, you know, waiting for the mayor to hire an advisor. You know, they're already moving forward and spending those funds, and I. And it's a shame, and it's a, it's a, um, 
a very, very strong um, failure of leadership that we haven't implemented any of those funds yet. Is the um, assuming that the that those dollars are not restricted and can be spent as a city sees uh, fit to make its best possible recovery in the wake of uh, the pandemic and, and subsequent economic challenges. Um, assuming that's the case, what are the things that need to happen that would make Flint capable of restarting its own tax base and generation of revenue? I mean, so, is, is it more cops? Is it better schools? Is it, you know, um, getting past the water crisis? What What are the things that have to happen um, and, and blight elimination? Um, what are the things that you think have to happen before we can hold our head up and say, you know, come on in, we're open for business? Well, I, I, so those the, currently those funds are restricted. However... They're, they're open to a majority of the, the issues that we have and we can spend those funds on. Um, you know, currently there's many cities using these funds for to add police officers, to add criminal um, tools or, you know, fight or tools to fight criminals. And that is our biggest concern right now, I, I feel. I feel like the, the water is, it's a slow-moving process. However, it's going in the right direction. So our first and, you know, top priority needs to be to fight crime because nobody wants to live in a crime-ridden city. And currently, you know, Albuquerque, New Mexico spent $10 million on crime-fighting stuff, whether it was hiring cops, um, buying cars, using ShotSpotter. Minneapolis spent $3 million. Chicago Chicago got $1.2 billion for the CARES Act, and they have already spent $300 million directly to pay salaries of police officers. So the, the fact that we haven't implemented any money to go to hiring cops, to giving them better pay, to getting our city back on the right track is the frustration that everybody is feeling. And that is one of the reasons why the Flint Police Officers Association has endorsed me. And I am the only council candidate out of any ward that they are endorsing because of my strong um, feelings and my plan to fix the police. Is that, is, is, is that sort of the, the first, um, would, would you say that that's the highest priority over, say, blight and water? Well, I, I think blight... Blight is, is an issue. However, you know, nobody, houses will, you know, residents will come in and fix the houses if they feel safe. And without a clean and safe neighborhood, residents aren't coming back. And, you know, if we can get the crime fixed, residents will come. And when residents come, it increases the tax base and it gives us more dollars to you know, work on the other aspects of, of the city's issues. When you talk to residents and, and potential voters, constituents in the 8th Ward, what kind of feedback are you getting? What are you hearing from them? What are they interested in? Well, they're, they're interested in, in safe neighborhoods. I mean, right now, 
every night you can hear gunshots. You know, we can hear the state police helicopter going over our heads. You know, what something that the 8th Ward has always been, has always been a family-friendly neighborhoods, you know, for the most part, up until the last couple of years, it's always been low-level crime. And, you know, as of late, and, you know, right now we're at 55 murders, I believe, in the city if it, if it hasn't picked up in the last couple of days. Um, they are concerned about the safety of their families. Um, blight is a, is a huge issue, no doubt about it. But you got to look past the blight and if there's gunshots ringing over your head. And right now, the, the gunshots on a nightly basis and the crime has to stop in the and the frustration from the residents that it doesn't seem like there's any will to fix it. You know, we're at, I think we're under 70. Last time I checked, we were at like 68 patrol officers on the road. It, we should be double that. Right now, you know, there's one cop on a shift for every 7,000 res residents. And Nobody feels safe, and nobody's going to invest in the city, invest in their homes until they can feel safe. And it's a worthwhile property that they can do long term. Yeah, I think um, I, I think it was Lan it's Lansing that I've typically been comparing our police department to. Lansing has a population about the same as Flint's, and they're at least double what we have in terms of police presence. Uh, I, I and, think and they have something and like in time not to interrupt you, but their salaries are also way more. I mean, anybody looking for a job in the police de in a police department can go into any surrounding neighborhood or any surrounding community and start twenty thousand dollars higher in salary. So why would they come to Flint? We have to fix. We have a fundamental problem in the police department, whether recruiting and keeping and maintaining police is is something that needs to be addressed. But again, with a cash-strapped city, you know, how, how do we reignite that? Well, first and foremost, we use, these for, we use the $99 million that we have. We can take those funds and use them for, use them for the cost now. And when we take those and use them for the cost now, we're, we're increasing our police force because we have more money to spend. But then we take those funds that we are currently allocated for now and we can take them out of the general budget and use those to help with the $17 million deficit. So this $99 million is almost enough money for two full years to fund the entire city of Flint. And I think if we allocated those monies smartly, we can, we can almost use those funds for the next six years that would help us get on the right track. Dennis, I have to take a break here. Can you stick around for a couple minutes so we can talk some more? Yes, absolutely. All right. My uh, guest is Dennis Pfeiffer. He's running for a seat on the Flint City Council from the 8th Ward. That election is coming up about a month from now on uh, November 2nd. And uh, coming up next hour, we'll look at uh, Ward 9. But uh, we're going to let our broadcast partners squeeze a few words in or do whatever they do when we go to break. If you're streaming us, we have some messages as well. And we'll be back to talk with... Uh, 8th Ward City Council candidate Dennis Pfeiffer a little bit more right after this. So don't touch that dial, don't click that mouse. There's more of the Tom Sumner program straight ahead.
Hello there, citizens. Darkwing Duck here. And every time I'm in Flint fighting crime, I always stop by the Tom Sumner program. Don't forget, stay dangerous. Darkwing Duck out. While we've been staying safe at home, scientists have been on a journey. The destination? A COVID-19 vaccine. This journey began decades ago with research into other coronaviruses. Scientists built from there with months of research and development, cooperation with other experts worldwide, and clinical trials on tens of thousands of volunteers of diverse race, age, and health status. They arrived at a safe, effective vaccine, and hundreds of thousands in Michigan have already been vaccinated. But the next step is ours. We need to get the vaccine when we can, keep wearing masks correctly, and taking precautions until we reach our destination, freedom from COVID-19, and getting back to the lives we love. Discover the facts for yourself at michigan.gov slash COVID vaccine. A message from the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services. Armchair politics is going to hell. Hell, Michigan, that is, and you are invited. On October 27th, Wednesday before Halloween, Armchair Politics will be broadcasting live from 9 a.m. to noon from the Hell Saloon in Hell, Michigan, near Pinckney. This will be our first in-person meeting of the Tom Sumner Program's weekly roundtable armchair politics since the beginning of the pandemic. Join me and roundtable regulars Flint's premier political pundit Paul Rosicki on the left and longtime Genesee County Republican Henry Hatter on the right, plus more on Wednesday, October 27, 2021, starting at 9 a.m. at the Hell Saloon. Armchair politics is going to hell, and you can too. Objection. I object. I object to that, Your Honor. Oh, hi, Mom. What's up? Dana, what are you doing? Oh, you know, just um, Attorney General stuff. Listen, I have a legal question. What is it, Mom? I just got a call from the water company. Apparently, your father has not been paying the bill. I guess they're going to turn the water off because we owe more than $1,000 now. Can you believe it? Actually, I can't. So listen, we just have to send them $200 in Edible Arrangements gift cards and that will keep the water on. Now, here's the legal question. What is the website for Edible Arrangements? Mom, it's an imposter scam. Imposter scam. Is that .com or .edu? No, the call was a scam. Scammers will pretend to be a government agency or a utility company or someone else you might do business with. A big red flag is if they tell you that you can pay them using gift cards. So when in doubt, ask for the information to be sent to you in writing. And never give a caller or someone you don't know your personal information or your money. If you do suspect an imposter scam, Report it to my office at mi.gov slash agcomplaints. Okay, all right. And Dina, where do I file a complaint that my daughter hasn't visited in over a month? Does your office have a website for that? Okay, Mom, I'm hanging up now.
I'm Michigan Attorney General Dana Nessel. Visit mi.gov slash agcomplaints for your connection to consumer protection. This is U.S. Senator Gary Peters, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Hey, welcome back, everybody, as we continue my uh, one-on-one conversation with city council candidates with um, 8th Ward city council candidate Dennis Pfeiffer, who joins me by phone. Dennis, welcome back. Thanks for sticking around. Sorry to make you sit through all that. Yeah, no worries. It's uh, it's always good to be here. Um, Dennis, how are you going about... Uh, campaigning it's it's a little awkward because we don't have the same gatherings that we used to have um well it's it's hasn't really it hasn't really changed i mean the 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 basis of campaigning is is getting in front of folks and and putting your message out there um right now we're doing that on the ground and you know via mail i think for the most most listeners that are in the eighth ward right now they're looking their mailbox and they'll be getting a mailer um either today or tomorrow the, the first of many communications from my uh campaign that will be hitting their doorstep so uh, i mean there's a lot of there's a lot of folks that you know don't want to necessarily answer the, the door um and not really engaged but we're we're, we're attacking those folks and, and getting the message across um on other platforms so this is an off-year election. Are, are you concerned that that the voter turnout is is going to be very low, or do you think there's enough interest that it might surprise us in November? Um, I think what you have to go off of, you know, past numbers. However, this is the only thing on the ballot, so it's probably going to be a little less. And you know, based on the primary numbers, um, we we have our we have our data that we're collecting and we know just about the, the number of, of people that will probably vote so we know what the number is and we're, we're targeting that number and it, it will be lower compared to other years but you know the, the people will have their decisions um, now you've focused a lot of your attention on making improvements to public safety, um, specifically the police department, but I imagine you're probably just as interested in uh, uh, fire, uh, the fire department and, and fire response as well. Um, but what are the other things that you would like to tackle if elected? Well, we have a crumbling infrastructure, and uh, that's not breaking news. I don't think that's anything that's a disputable comment. Um, you know, from the from the, the population decline, we have a lot of roads. We have a lot of um, water lines. We have a lot of just general maintenance that the upkeep and and it's crumbling because we don't have those we don't have those dollars allocated we don't have a plan um outside of the community the community issues meaning you know the blight and you know just general housing upkeep we have a crumbling infrastructure so we need to address how we are going to right size that based on you know the the population decline 
So there, we have to come up with a fundamental plan that's going to change the way we look at our infrastructure and, you know, look at the things that are maintainable and what are the things that are not maintainable, meaning, you know, do we have roads that aren't being used in, in, in wards where the population is gone? Do we need to take those resources to stop upkeeping those and put those on, you know, roads and streets that are needing upkeep because the population is still there? So I think there needs to be some rearranging of the funds to, to do more targeted um, improvements on infrastructure until we can somehow find the funds to fix what is actually needed. Who do you think should be collecting the trash? Who do I think that? That's so. That's a, a tricky question because um, I, while I'm a I'm a union person at heart, and I truly believe that we could probably save money having it internally. Um, it's whether or not we have the leadership in place to actually take and make it a successful program internally. Um, with the current priority waste that was just, I think, erroneously voted, um, if we would have taken the other contractor, in less than three years, we could have paid for the trucks to bring it in-house. So right now we we are spending anywhere from 6 to $9 million more than we should have. And that 6 to $9 million in a three-year time period would have paid for trucks so that we could have hit the ground running to have them internal resources in the trucks bought and paid for in a three-year time period. So right now, uh, we're, we're fighting that. I mean, in, in three years, there I'm sure the, the administration is going to come forward and want to renew, which is going to even take even more money away from the residents. Um, we have to, if, if they can make money in, a, in the private sector, we should be able to have a true leader in a campaign and a plan to bring that internally and save the city res residents money. I mean, we have to we have to look at every aspect of saving every dime because we are a city in need. We are a city with uh, a declining tax base, so every dollar matters. And it doesn't seem to be that it's much of a concern with the current administration and the folks that voted for this current contract, which, by the way, they had no idea what the services were. There was no questions. There was no vetting of what services they were actually voting for. They were all just blind and voted because they were set in their ways, and that's part of the, the reason that the city council has such a negative connotation towards it. Um, that seems there are several candidates that seem in favor of uh, the city taking over uh, trash collection uh, services, um, but most seem to think that's more of a long-term plan than a short-term plan because of the investment in trucks and, and staff and so on. Yeah, well, it could have been a, a, a three-year. Well, long-term is meaning three years if we would have went with the other contractor and still allocated the same top dollar amount that we actually that they actually voted for. So it's going to be a, a more of a long term because of the current contractor and the current 
cost of the contract that they voted for. I mean, we why we wouldn't we wouldn't go with a the lowest competitive price is beyond me. I mean, we there's there has to be, and I'm I'm glad that the investigation is going forward because there has to be a reason, and maybe they're not being public with it. But if they're if it was a true transparent government, they would tell us why we have to spend six to nine million dollars more when priority waste we will be their biggest customer and with all the trash problems that we're having in flint do we really need to go outside of the box and be a big largest customer for possibly a you know further trash problems if they can't handle the capacity i don't think that they acted in the best interest of the residents when they went down the path that they did with this current contractor well, Dennis, we're almost out of time, but I want to make sure and give you an opportunity to let listeners know where they can find out more about you and your campaign. But I also want to give you a minute or so to uh, share some final thoughts. Yeah, sure. So, you know, like I, I've told, you know, I, I tell everybody, I'm not a politician. I'm a problem solver. I, I deal with budgets and I deal with problems and I deal with a vast array, array of people every single day with my with my current position in the private sector and you know i I believe i have the the goals and the plans and the will to fix the resident or to fix the the problems in plant you know i have a vested interest you know i i have my home my home is owned and my kids are in the neighborhoods so i have a vested interest to make sure that the the city gets better because you know, like a lot of people in the 8th Ward, their house is part of their retirement. And with the declining house values, it's something that we have to stabilize. And a lot of people are counting on that. It's one of the things that uh, a lot of people aren't really looking at. And housing values drive a lot of things. They drive tax revenue and they drive, you know, people's savings and retirement. Um, so with that being said, I feel like I, I absolutely have the will to fix the city and you know plans and a a, a knowledge to get to, to implement the plans um dennis do you have a website yes so website is fixflint.com um, f-i-x and then flint.com all one word um you can get me on facebook it's dennis pfeiffer for flint um you can also reach me on my campaign cell phone 810-410-5000 well, Dennis, thanks so much for spending this time with me and the listeners this morning. And uh, as, as I've told many candidates, I always applaud people that are willing to roll up their sleeves and get involved. And so I wish you uh, good luck and keep up the good work. Well, I appreciate you having me on, Tom. It's uh, very insightful to hear all the candidates. So we appreciate it. We all do. Well, thank you, Dennis. Take care. You too. And uh, to that end of uh, talking to more candidates, we're going to move into the uh, third half of our three-hour tour today. Today's show is part three of a series of three shows that focused on one-on-one conversations with virtually all of the city council candidates. And we're going to be moving to uh, Ward 9 uh, up next in this, uh, this final hour of our three-part series. And uh, only one candidate... Um, ended up canceling, and and I replaced them with an encore from when they were here during the um, 
during the primary election. That was uh, Kate Fields over uh, some wrangling that's going on um, between her and other council members. Anyway, we'll be back. Hi, I'm Alexander Zajic. Don't touch that dial. You're listening to Tom Sumner.